Welcome to the Brit Abroad Podcast with your host, Louis Slade. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Brit Abroad Podcast. Today I'm joined by someone who has travelled from the UK to Myanmar via Vietnam and we're going to bring you their story right now as we welcome Holly Mather to the show. Hello Holly. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I want to dive right into your background. Um, so if you can tell everybody where you're from and what were you doing there before you decided to move? Uh, I'm from London in England and when I was back in England I was taking an online diploma in teaching and working in bars part-time. So are you now a teacher? Is that what you do now you're abroad? Yeah, now I teach abroad, yeah. Fantastic. And so you moved to uh, Vietnam first, is that correct? I moved first to Italy, then to China, then to Vietnam, and now to Myanmar. Wow, you've gone to uh, a thousand different places already. So you're, <laughs> you're based in Myanmar now, is that correct? Yeah, I live in the north of Myanmar in Shan State. So what brought you there? Why, why did you go there? Was it teaching or was it...? I was teaching. I was looking for a new school to work in, an international school, and the school I'm at now came up online. And I loved everything about the school, um, what they stand for, their curriculum, all their extracurricular activities. And then when I checked where the school was, it was in Myanmar, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you thought you'd just give it a go? Yeah. I suppose if you've had experiences in other places, it's not so daunting, especially if you've been to China and, you know, where the culture is so, so different. That obviously going to places like Vietnam and Myanmar are, are equally, equally challenging, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be maybe a little bit more challenging, but I was quite excited for it. Fantastic. And in terms of expectations, you're, you're at home back in London. Um, you're just about to go on your expat journey. Your first des destination was Italy. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, so what were your expectations before you moved to Italy? Obviously, it's another European country. Did you expect it to be fairly similar or did you have any experiences of Italy before you moved? I'd never been there, but I wasn't super nervous about going there. I knew it would be similar culture to England. And yeah, I wasn't really so nervous about Italy. No. And then how long were you in Italy before, before you decided to, to go off to, to the Far East? Uh, so I just did one summer there before I moved to China. And that was teaching English? Yeah, teaching English. Oh, okay. And then you went off to China. How yeah. was that? How did that come about? And, and tell us about the, the thoughts before you're, you know, you're sitting on that plane, you're sitting on the runway. Tell us about what was running through your mind before you arrived. Um, I was terrified. Um, <laughs> I'd only been to Asia once. I'd been to South Korea for two weeks, um, which is why I then decided to move out to Asia. I knew that the culture would be completely different. I wouldn't be able to communicate with anyone. The food was going to be completely different. And I, I'd read a lot online, but I still didn't really know what to expect. Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you you arrive in China. This is your first experience of being apart from. A vacation is that correct in South Korea yeah so apart from that this is your first time in Asia how was it getting to uh, your accommodation how was that settling in so the the job and the accommodation were arranged before I arrived my school arranged that all for me and they picked me up at the airport and took me back to my apartment 
Oh, fantastic. And then took me to the school and stuff. So that was easily arranged, um, which was good for my first time abroad. You know, as you say, your first time abroad, first time teaching abroad in terms of, you know, in, in Asia. It sounds like you had uh, a very good school. Uh, was there a recruiter involved? Was there someone who, you know, a middleman that joined the pair of you up? No, um, I actually just found them directly through their website. And I mean, I was 22 at the time when I was doing that. And when I look back at that, it, it wasn't a good job. The pay was really bad. It was really long hours. The accommodation wasn't very good. Um, and they didn't treat me particularly well. But then in the next few years, I got better jobs and I really learned from that. So that experience obviously taught you a hell of a lot, but then you're moving on to Vietnam, is that correct? Yeah, then I went to, I did two years in China, then moved to Vietnam for a year. And how did you find Vietnam compared to China? Um, very different. We, I lived in Hanoi, which is obviously the capital and a big city. Um, there were lots more expats there. There was a lot more um, foreign foods that you could find. People were a lot more welcoming. You enjoyed it. Did, are you saying you enjoyed it a lot more, and that, or was it just that it was easier to live? A bit of both. It, life was definitely easier. Um, in China, I had a lot of people in my first city who didn't like foreigners and told us to sort of maybe go back to our own country. Wow. Um, but I, I had a lot of really, really good friendships in China as well. It, it sort of in China, I felt it took longer, um, longer to make friends. But once you were friends with them, you were family. They really welcomed you in a lot. But in Vietnam, everyone was just friendly from the start, but it didn't develop into much more. So you taught in Vietnam for a year? Yeah. So you're in Vietnam. Um, again, did you just decide that you wanted to try something new and then go somewhere somewhere different? So you started looking online and trying to find another job? Um, I went to Vietnam for a week's holiday while I was in China and just fell in love with it. Oh wow! So and you just decided that's it. I'm going to go there for a while and 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 see yeah. how how things play out. Yeah. Oh wow! And then you're moving over to Myanmar. How long have you yeah. been there for? I've been there for eleven months now. And are you planning to stay for for another year or two, or are you planning yeah. the next journey? Just signed another year at the same school. Oh, fantastic. And tell us about this school, because you said that you, you really enjoyed the curriculum and what they stand for. So what? tell us a bit more about that. So uh, they're an international school, um, and they focus really heavily on like extracurricular activities for the children. Um, a lot of schools that I've worked for before, it was sort of math, science, English, and the children studied really hard. But my students do work really hard, but they also have dance classes and music classes and school trips. And wow. we run projects about the environment and recycling and things like that. And I, I really like that we can do that with them. Fantastic to find a place like that that you feel so comfortable in, that you, you truly believe in what they do. As you say, the curriculum and the extracurricular activities as well. As you say, the things like recycling it is astonishing that they're, they're now finally teaching that sort of stuff in schools. Yeah, it's been really fun. We set up in my office um, a paper recycling plant and then we recycled our own paper, which was That's a, amazing. a mess at first. <laughs> there was sort of pulp everywhere. Um, but we worked with all the students from preschool to high school and we all put our ideas into it and it, it came out pretty well in the end. And how old are the children that you teach? So I teach preschool, so they're two years old to five years old, but oh, I run projects age. with the secondary students too. So you're, you're kind of mixing with all ages. Yeah, uh, and, which is great. And this is an international school. 
It's in my town where in Shansa, it's mainly local people, um, sort of wealthier local people that send their students there. I see. But they also have branches in uh, in Yangon, the bigger city, where they do have more international students. In terms of advice for people listening that are in the UK, the US or, or somewhere else who are considering that journey over to Asia, what advice would you give people? I feel like everyone would give the same advice, which is just do it. Like, even though it's terrifying and scary, everything will just work out fine and it'll be a one of the best experiences. It's definitely a plus then. There's no real negative sides. It's a very enjoyable experience. Yeah, definitely. And the people you meet are going to be from all around the world and they give you different perspectives on everything. And seeing different cultures makes you really reflect on your own country and your own culture and how it can be improved. So how do you believe that your home country back in the UK could be improved by your some of your experiences? Things I've noticed this week since I've been back is... Uh, the way people communicate with each other. I mean, I'm in London, it's a big city, so people are quite busy and they're on the go all the time. Whereas in Myanmar, everyone's a little bit slower paced, but they take the time to sort of be very nice to each other every day and everyone says good morning to each other. Um, and I know it's sometimes uh, not practical in big cities, but there's just a nicer feeling in the community. Final question. Would you have moved if you knew then what you know now? Yes, and I would not have been nervous about it. Are you an expat? Would you like to tell your story on the podcast? We'd love to hear from you. To apply, visit BritAbroadPod.com. But now, it's time for Quick Hits. Yes, it's time again for Quick Hits, that part of the show that we ask 10 questions to our guests to find out a little more about them. So, Holly, let's get started. What's the best thing about your new country? Um, the scenery, the mountains and the lakes and the people. The people are super friendly. And what's the worst thing about your new country? The food. The food? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a very leading question. So we're going to move on straight away to what's the best food and then we'll go to what's the worst food after that. Okay, the best food is tea leaf salad, which sounds really disgusting, but it, it's not. It's, it's really good. You have to explain this because I, as a British person myself, tea leaf salad, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking a basic lettuce with a load of tea leaves thrown over it. So explain to, to the listeners a little bit more about that. Uh, so it's pickled tea leaves um, with peanuts, tomatoes, garlic, and then olive oil on top. Wow. And is it, mm. is it uh, like a starter dish or is this uh, a lunch dish or is this something um, large that you can have for dinner? like a snack like you'd have it alongside other meals i see okay uh, so you said that the food is bad so this is your opportunity to explain exactly how bad <laughs> so the rest of the food um is quite a lot of just really oily curries or a lot of fried sort of fried tofus and it's, there's just a lot of oil a lot of oil so we're not a fan of that <laughs> not so much okay what do you miss about the uk probably cheese cheese it's it's quite difficult to get a lot of cheeses uh in asia like really good cheese what's your so favorite cheese back, uh wensleydale oh there we go you, so typically <laughs> english it's incredible <laughs> so i don't know if you drive while you're over there or if you drive at all but if you were alone in a car what would you think about so i ride a motorbike and usually i'm, I'm trying not to die so i'm generally <laughs> thinking about that thinking about the traffic how is the traffic over there uh, it's 
it's not super bad in my town, but we've had a few crashes recently, just people not looking when they pull out. So I'm always on edge for that. What's your favourite 90s tune? R. Kelly, Ignition, if that's 90s. Is that the remix? Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing song. <laughs> um, for anybody who hasn't heard that, I don't know if I'll be able to get the rights to put it onto this podcast, but if you haven't, go and listen. It, it's a phenomenal song. <laughs> um, what's your favourite animal and why? Uh, my favourite animal is it's called a fainting goat. It's this type of goat that when they get startled, they just freeze and faint, and all of their arms and legs go straight up in the air. And you can watch videos of it on YouTube, and it's hilarious okay so i i i i genuinely have never heard of this so i'm going to need (laughs) some elaboration on this statement there is a goat in the world that faints falls over and its legs go up in the air yeah and then they they just kind of come back around and they get back on with it there's hundreds of youtube videos of this (laughs) i i know what i'm doing after i finish this interview (laughs) so if you had a time machine where would you go and why i would go back 20 years to the town that I'm living in now to see what it was like 20 years ago. What's the interest in 20 years ago? Um, I mean, I just picked 20. I could say maybe 10 years ago. I The town is growing really fast, but it's still a small town with lots of villages around it. And I can imagine sort of 10, 20 years ago, like none of the buildings would have been there. It would have just been farmland. And I'd be really interested to just see that. What town is this? Uh, Town G, Southern Shan State. And the final question, which everybody loves, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? 100 duck-sized horses. 100 duck-sized horses? Yeah, there is a lot of thought gone into this. How much thought? A lot. Me and my best friend spent about 15 minutes talking about this. Um, (laughs) One horse-sized duck would be terrifying, and imagine how loud that would be we're worried about war cries before you even go into battle (laughs) yeah it would be deafening i mean ducks are they're pretty loud at their normal size but if you had a hundred horse-sized ducks that you could tame and keep in your garden they would not be so intimidating and they would sort of graze your lawn for you so you'd never need to mow the lawn Ah, I see. So practical advice here on the on the mm. Brit Abroad podcast. We are going for tamed duck-sized horses to mow the lawn. <laughs> uh, you're right. A lot of thought has gone into this. I've got to say, oh, yeah. you are in the minority here compared to other oh, people. Really? Yeah, a lot of people like the idea of just fighting one thing rather than going in for 100 duck-sized horses. So, okay. Um, but no, at least you've put the thought and work into it. Um, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for joining us, Holly. Welcome. And we'll be back again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. To hear more, press that subscribe button and go to BritAbroadPod.com.